dreams come true And I wonder if you know What it means, what it means And I wonder if you know Welcome, 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 and welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen. And as 2019 comes to an end, uh, of course, that brings on 2020. And with 2020 coming, that brings an end to the decade. Uh, I have a big, big, big show planned next week on the 31st. But for this episode, what I wanted to do was I wanted to go back and do the All-NBA first team and second team of the decade. Uh, I, I picked a starting five and a, and a, and a bench. Uh, or starting two starting fives. Um, I got a couple honorable mentions because there's been a lot of great players in the decade. But that's what I wanted to do this episode. Uh, but before that, of course, we have some NFL talk. We have some college basketball and some college football. But we'll start with the Ravens. The Ravens locked up the number one seed. Yeah, uh, Mark Ingram got banged up. Uh, Lamar Jackson did take a big hit. But the Ravens locked up the number one seed um, in the AFC. Do I think the Ravens are the number one team right now, as in the best team? They're playing the best. Let me say that. The Ravens are playing the best. The Ravens, defensively, they're clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Offensively, with Lamar Jackson in that running game, and the coach Harbaugh, they are clicking on cylinders. However... Before, like maybe, maybe, right now the Ravens are on an 11-game win streak. And all the credit should go to them. They're playing incredible. They're playing great. But when I look at the other teams in the league, when you look at maybe 10, no, maybe, let's say four weeks ago, it looked like the Ravens were... We're on a trajectory that nobody can touch them. When I, and when I say nobody, I, I mean nobody in the AFC. The, the Patriots looked really awful. Um, we still had question marks about the Chiefs' defense. And outside of that, nobody else in the AFC really, to me, stood a chance or stand a chance or stood a chance against the Ravens. And this is not an indictment on the Ravens. This is not an indictment on Lamar Jackson. This is not an indictment on Baltimore, period. But quiet as is kept, there are, when you look at the AFC right now, there is a team right now that is clicking on all cylinders right, as we speak, just like the Ravens are, and they beat the Ravens, and that is the Chiefs. The Chiefs is the only team that Lamar Jackson has, or that he's faced, that Lamar Jackson has not beat. And Patrick Mahomes looks incredible, and quiet as is kept, while the defense has been the major, major thorn in the in, in the Chiefs game plan of winning right now they're playing the or their, their defense is playing the best in the NFL right currently as we speak and because of that I think that is setting up for hopefully an incredible AFC championship against the Ravens and the Chiefs you have two dynamic very dynamic uh quarterbacks in Lamar Jackson with Patrick Mahomes. Of course, I'd pick Patrick Mahomes right now just due to 
his accuracy and his passing ability, even though Lamar Jackson can pass, I think Patrick Mahomes is better him better with him or better than him at that mark. But right now the AFC is is looking look look looking it's not looking to me as wide open as it was maybe three or four weeks ago. Of course you can you can still throw in the Patriots. I mean it's still Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I don't think that they will will could make it past maybe week two. Uh, or maybe yeah, maybe week two of the playoffs, how they've been playing. But of course, again, that's still Tom Brady, that's still Bill Belichick. Uh, and they did just beat the Bills um, 24-17 this week or last week. But they looked incredible. Um, and when I say they, I mean the Chiefs. The Chiefs looked incredible. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, is, they're, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders at the right time, just like another team we're about to talk about. But they're clicking at on the... They're, they're, they're looking like the team early last season. And the only, to me, the only reason why we don't talk about them is, one, because of how good Lamar Jackson's playing and how the Ravens are playing. Two, how bad the, the, the Patriots look against a good team. And three, how incredibly stacked the NFC is right now. I think that the Chiefs and how and, and 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 I think it's a little bit because we're used to it. I think it's because we are now used to seeing this is what week or year two that Patrick Mahomes is playing at an, an all time level. Yeah, he went out for an injury, but he's come back and played incredible. Because I think we're starting to get a little used to it, kind of like how Le- and, and I'm not comparing LeBron James to Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs, but. We kind of expect LeBron James, even though this is year 17, we kind of expect LeBron James to play great. That's kind of what we're expecting from the Chiefs. And while I do think that the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, and of course one of the best teams in the NFL, I don't think the path is as easy, especially if and when they have to go up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Right now, I don't know. I'm going to hold my picks until, you know, the playoffs are actually here. We'll go in depth in that. But, you know, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but right now, the Chiefs are looking good. And, and as I just said, the NFC is stacked. Right now, as we saw last night, the, the, you have the, um, the Packers. They, they, they are 11-3. You have the Saints. You have the 49ers. And you have the Seahawks, all look incredible. Now, the Seahawks did or are decimated with injury. Of course, you have, I think, all three or, or both of their starting running backs are hurt. Um, and, and, a, and because of their, their, their running backs are hurt, they did bring back Marshawn Lynch. I don't know how much Marshawn Lynch has still in the tank, but it's better than what they have um, or what they have without him, which is... Pretty much nothing. They have, uh, what's it, Ruben Turbin? Uh, um, but I think Marshawn Lynch is more of a, of, of a galvanizing, hey, we're bringing back a staple on the team. And, of course, you still have Russell, uh, Russell Wilson. Yes, they did lose on Sunday, but I think that's just, that was just a misstep. You know what I mean? It's, it's Russell Wilson. Uh, and it's the Seahawks. And we've seen throughout the entire year how good they've been. Um, right now, if you're asking me, the Saints are the best team 
in the NFC, and 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 it's kind of, when they're firing on all cylinders, it's kind of not even close. This is no disrespect to the 49ers and how good they play on both sides of the ball. This is no disrespect on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and especially how good they looked last night against Kirk Cousins. Right now, it is very hard for me to look at the Saints this and and not think that they're the most complete team. Not not just in the NFC, but the NFL. Their defense is is playing uh, incredible. And I've I've been talking about their secondary for the longest, saying as though when we're talking about a weakness, it is their secondary. Their secondary has played incredible. Their secondary has played top five in the last maybe five to six weeks. You have Michael Thomas, who just broke the single season record for receptions with 145. Michael Thomas is an is. It's not even it's not even arguable, especially this year. He is the best wide receiver in the league. Now, of course, you still have Julio Jones, you still have DeAndre Hopkins, you still have Odell Beckham Jr. But when we're talking about this season, Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the league. And with that, you still have Alvin Kamara, who is one of the best running backs. Uh, you have uh, Murray, who 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 is more of a physical running back. And then, of course, you have Drew Brees, who as we talked about last episode, is still breaking records at age 40. I don't know. The, the, the thing about the NFC is, and, and we talk about this almost every week, any team, any of the top teams can lose. Uh, the, you know, any, any of the top few teams can go down and, and, and win a game for the playoffs. And that's, to, to me, the the intrigue of the NFC. We don't know on any get like I can say, okay, boom. Drew Brees and the Saints are the best team, but you still have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay who's who looks great. You still have of course the 49ers and how good Jimmy Garoppolo and the defense is playing. You still have Seahawks and Russell Wilson, how incredible he makes his teammates. And even the wild cards, you have the Vikings. It's who who is a complete team. It's, it's, it's the NFC, whoever to me comes out the NFC, it's, it's, they're going to have to go through a doll fight, whoever they play. And I think, that, well, we'll talk about maybe just one, but, and, and to me, that's the most incredible thing about the NFC this year. Uh, again, shouts out to Michael Thomas. I'm not going to let that just float by. Michael Thomas, again, did break the single season receptions uh, count with 145. Michael Thomas has been incredible this entire year. Um, I said this earlier in the year, and I was, or earlier in the season, I'll say it again. I think right now the Super Bowl is going to be the Ravens and the Saints. I'm, I'm going to go in depth a little later, but that's who I think will be in the Super Bowl, just looking at how they're playing. Of course, you, you ask, maybe why not the 49ers? I think that the Ravens, I'm not the Ravens, I think that the Saints are a little better offensively than the 49ers, and because of that, that's going to play a huge part, especially I trust Drew Brees more than Jimmy Garoppolo. But we'll talk about that Um, another episode. What, what, what we really need to talk about is the Cowboys. You see, when you have a team with the talent that the Cowboys have, it is easy, and it's, I'm not even going to say it's easy. What what teams started, especially a team when you have the when you have the talent that the Cowboys have, and 
you they continue to underachieve year after year after year and you and you and you look at the whole picture it's easy to point fingers it's the coach it's the players it's the schemes it's this it's that it's the owner there is a lot wrong with the cowboys there should be no and, and i am a diehard Redskins fan but I, I am a realist there should be no reason why a team led by dak prescott ezekiel elliott demarcus lawrence amari cooper should not should be on the outside of the playoffs looking in and when it comes down to it when when even even though it shouldn't be that but when you have to beat a team like the eagles the eagles by the way who their entire team from their offensive line to their wide receiver core to the defense is decimated with injury there should be no reason why you lose that game no reason at all this jason garrett will be fired by the end of this um season the writing's pretty much on the wall. You have, um, uh, you know, it's 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 easy to say that, you know, you, there's a reason why Jason Garrett's, um, there's a reason why Jason Garrett's contract wasn't extended uh, beyond this season. He's been the coach for Dallas since 2010, and since 2010. I think they've only won maybe one or two playoff games with the talent that they've had. Now, when you sit back and think, okay, yes, it's not all Jason Garrett's fault, but when you have a team that talented in almost every game, they don't look ready to play, that's, 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 a, that, that's a detriment on the coach. On top of that, you also have to look at the quarterback. Yes, Dak Prescott has had an incredible season, sort of. You know, has had an incredible season when we look at just numbers. But when we look at on the field, there have been games where Dak Prescott has looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Then we have games like we had on Sunday where they look like, where he looks like just an, a backup quarterback. And that's why... That's why they haven't paid Dak. That, that's been a storyline all last season, uh, or no, all last offseason. And this whole season is, are they going to pay Dak? Dak turned down this amount of money. Dak's trying to get paid $40 million a year. A $40 million quarterback would not be in a dogfight with a decimated Eagles and ultimately lose. Now, the Dallas, Dallas does not control their own destiny, and they need not only to win next week, but the Eagles to lose next week, and the Eagles play the Giants. Now, the Eagles can lose because they almost lost to the Giants, what, two or three weeks ago? But I have all the faith in the world right now that the Eagles will beat the Giants, deeming the Cowboys not eligible for the playoffs. And a Cowboys team with the talent that they have, You know, they, they, they say that the Cowboys are America's team, America's team. I still don't understand why. But Jason Garrett's gone. 
But it's not just Gase and Garrett. When you, you know, when you have an owner that doesn't let you know that that handpicks the players, handpicks the coaching staff, you have to look at the owner. Now, of course, you can't fire the owner, who's also the GM and Terry Jones. But you you starting put you have to start to put two and two together. Yeah, Jason Garrett hasn't been a, a bright spot for the Cowboys this year, but there's been a lot of dark spots, a lot of them. Dak Prescott's inconsistent play. Ezekiel Elliott's inconsistent play. Amari Cooper's inconsistent play. Michael Gallup's inconsistent play. It's it's so easy to look at the coach and blame the coach. And yes, when you come out game after game not prepared, that is a coaching situation and, and some of the situational schemes and decisions that you make. That's definitely a coaching thing. But when you have... Constant drop balls, constant overthrows. That's not always the coach. So, um, yeah, it's the, the Cowboys are in for a lot of changes, and we'll see. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm not pretty sure. I think that Dak Prescott more than likely will be franchise tagged. He's not gonna like it. His camp's not gonna like it. But Dak Prescott has played himself out of a historic contract. Not saying he deserved the historical contract at the beginning of the year, but that's what he was geared up for. Now they might they're more than likely not even gonna make the playoffs. So you're gonna take you're gonna pay a quarterback forty some million dollars a year and he didn't even make the playoffs or he struggles to make the playoffs. Again, I I don't see it coming. I do not see it coming. But hey, it is what it is. Um, and speaking of firing, Tom Coughlin of the, of the, of the, um, Jacksonville Jaguars, who was the head coach, got fired, uh, this week, or last week, after there's been a lot of, a lot of players come out having their, uh, frustrations against Tom Coughlin, um, they're saying that he came ruling with an iron fist, but he didn't really develop player relationships. He's he find found uh find Dante Fowler like seven hundred thousand dollars for um not showing up to voluntary workouts, um involuntary treatment. I don't know who said it, but when I did hear it, it was great. Rules without relationships cause rebellion. When you have, when you're a coach, and and do not forget that the Jacksonville Jaguars brought Tom Tom Coughlin in, due to because they thought they can straighten up the team, straighten up the activity, the attitude of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because remember, the Jaguars were like a player two, oh no, a, a quarter away from making it to the Super Bowl just two years ago, or two or three years ago. And and we heard a lot of stories, especially, you know, a few years ago, a lot of in-house fighting, a lot of in-house talking from the Jacksonville Jaguars and a lot of young players that, you know, maybe didn't understand how to be players. And they brought Tom Coughlin in to kind of bring order to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The problem with that is when you have a coach like Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin had had situations in, in, in New York. Now, 
they did win Super Bowls, but he wasn't exactly a player's coach. The, the times he won the Super Bowls were the times that he let players, you know, kind of, he kind of loosened the reins. When you had Michael, you know, Michael Strahan, you had uh, that team, that was a fun team. And that was a team that Mike, Com- Mike Tom, Tom Coughlin kind of was like, let me, let me, let me step back, let me step back, and let me, let me give the players a little more freedom. He didn't do that for Jacksonville. Maybe because Jacksonville didn't win as much. Maybe because Jacksonville didn't have the talent that the uh, that the Giants or the, the Super Bowl Giants had. But when you start coming in and just just throw, just bang the hammer and 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 rule with an iron fist, but you're not willing to connect with the players. The players aren't going to buy that. The players don't want to hear that. The players are going to rebel. And that's what you saw when you heard stories from Fowler, when you heard stories from Leonard Fournette, when you heard stories from, you know, some of the some of the anonymous sources. It's it's Tom Coughlin made the job hard. Tom Coughlin made at the end of the game, at the end of the day, the football is a game and he he made the game hard to play. And because of that, Players started rebelling. Players, you know, didn't play as hard. Players missed assignments. And I'm not saying they missed assignments on purpose. But players <laughs> players started to just, if they miss, you know, when you know you care when you miss assignments and, and you feel bad, like, ah, oh, damn, like I missed the assignment, my fault team. You know, I, I, I apologize. But when you miss assignment, you don't even care. It's just like, ah, it is what it is. And I think Tom Coughlin lost the locker room a long time ago and because of that he had to go and he got fired and especially when you're not supposed to be finding players first of all there's no mandatory treatment I mean if you don't feel good you don't really have to have treatment so when you're finding players for not going to treatment you can't really do that and that kind of was like the final straw for uh Jacksonville so that's that um is there any other uh, college foot? I mean, is there any other NFL I want to talk about? Um, the Bengals lost. <laughs> the Bengals lost, uh, and they locked up the number one overall pick. We all know they're pretty much gonna get. Uh, they're pretty much gonna get Joe Burrow from LSU. He's old, He's an Ohio kid, so uh, yeah. The Redskins. Um, they they lost to the Giants. Pretty much solidifying the number two pick. Now, of course, if they win on Sunday, or yeah, they win on Sunday against the Cowboys, they probably move up to like fifth or, or move down to fifth. But I don't think I don't. Not only do I think they won't be motivated to win, Dwayne Haskins has already come out. It's already said he's done for the for the season with an an ankle sprain. So. I think that the Redskins will probably lock up the second overall pick, and I think they'll probably take Chase Young of Ohio State. Um, so there's that. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I want to talk about NFL-wise. Uh, no. So let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go college basketball. So James Wiseman, of well, formerly with Memphis, leaves Memphis. Due to, you know, all the NCAA allegations, he had to sit out, I believe, what, 12 games. Um, 
we all know we talked. I talked about it last, you know, a couple podcasts ago or a couple episodes ago about the James Wiseman situation. Um, you know, him and Penny Hardaway, who is now the coach of Memphis. I talk about this all the time. When you find it's like you know what it's like. It's like driving to work. Everybody has to get to work, but when you find an easier route, you're going to take that easier route. Because it's easier. And, and, and not only is it easier, and I'm not saying easier as like it's, it's, a, it's a cheap way out, but it's easier, it makes your life better. It makes your commute better. It makes your, you get to work faster, easier. It makes, it makes you in, maybe enjoy the ride a little bit more because you, ha- you found a better route. What the NCAA is doing right now is... Giving because there's there 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 are such strict rules on well the rule that you can't really get paid for your likeness and players these days especially in college basketball are at an all time high in popularity all time high in demand all time high especially talking about social media and 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 presence that a player like a Zion a player like a James Wiseman a player like no LaMelo Ball. They alone, just their name alone will, will give millions and millions upon millions to a university. Players aren't dumb. Players understand that they want to make it to the league. And, and what I think that the NCAA has banked on for the longest is that the only way, the only way players see to make it to the NBA is through the NCAA in college. But what the NCAA and what players are starting to realize is that's not the only way. I think there's a step right now that five of the top six projected, no, three of the top five projected Number uh, projected first, you know, lottery picks. No, five of the top ten. That's it. Five of the top ten projected lottery picks are overseas right now. I'm not gonna name all of them, but to name a few. Oh no, I'm not just gonna say overseas are not in the NBA. I mean, not in college basketball right now. Right now, you have James Wiseman who just left Memphis. You have Lamelo Ball. You have uh, R.J. Hampton. Those are just three. Players are starting to realize, I don't need the NCAA to make it to the NBA, especially with how popular I am, especially with how big social media is, especially that players now, it's like more of an empowerment type situation. And because of this, the NCAA has to make changes because trust me, James Wiseman, yes, he is, there's still millions upon millions of kids playing, you know, hoping to dream to play college basketball. But James Wiseman, he's not just, he's not the first, but he is, uh, he's a big name. James Wiseman could be and was projected to be the number one overall pick. Now, the number one overall pick will not be playing basketball for the NCAA. That is huge, not only for the NCAA but for the NBA, especially the NBA trying to get the G League more involved. And now they're doing they're trying to set rules where you can go straight to the G League. In fact, 
You can go straight to the G League if you want. You just have to pay for a G League tryout. But you can go straight to the G League to the NBA. Now, of course, a lot of players don't want to do that. But when when you're the NCAA and you have such strict rules and, and you want to control the player so much that you take away from the experience of playing, they're going to find alternate routes. Now, like I said, the NBA is, is I think they already passed, and I, I think it's coming soon that the year that you can come straight from high school is coming back. So with that, the NCAA is losing its reign on these kids. When you have the number one projected, number one overall pick, the projected number two overall pick, and the projected number four overall pick, and all three of them are not in the NCAA right now, that is a problem for the NCAA. And when you continue to have a reign on how much control a player should have of their self and their likeness, that you know it's crazy. And I say this all the time. It is crazy that somebody, two students, one student, who the only thing they contribute to the school is attendance, can go to work, make money, and give the school nothing but their attendance and their tuition. Yet a player that brings in millions upon millions just off their name alone cannot get a job at McDonald's if they play college basketball. They cannot get paid $10 for an autograph if they play in the NCAA, yet a, pl- a person that just goes to the school, doesn't contribute nothing but tuition and attendance, can get a job. To me, that is function- functionally messed up. And, 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 and when you look at players like James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, um, RJ Hampton, some of the best players and, and, and soon will be NBA players, and they're not suiting up for an NCAA team. That right there is, is, spells a new age. Like I started this with saying, the NCAA has always banked on, if you want to make it to the NF, NBA, you pretty much have to go through us. Now, players are starting to realize, I really don't need you. Yes, I would love to play for North Carolina. I would love to play for Maryland. I would love to play for Duke. I would love to play for UCLA. I would love to play for Kentucky, but I don't have to. And if you ask me, if it's between going to a college university and playing or going to a top overseas team and playing there against pro athletes, just overseas pro athletes and still get paid while playing and I can still do online classes, sign me up. Sign me up. Hell, look at Luka. Luka has not, Luka Doncic has never, he's been playing basketball professionally overseas since he was 16. He has not touched a college basketball team, yet he is one of the top, especially uh, for this year, He's one of the top players in the NBA. NCAA, you need to you need to you need to loosen your reins, or you'll start to realize year after year, your 
these players that are our are top players are going to continue to leave. And that is the last thing that you want. Um what else? Uh speaking of college, shout I'm not first of all, before I go, I have not heard this at all. On Sports Center, I haven't heard this on FS uh Fox Sports. I haven't heard this on the Today Show. I have not heard this at all, except for people on Twitter. Congratulations and shouts out to North Carolina A&T Aggies for winning the Celebration Bowl. The Celebration Bowl is pretty much like the, the Super Bowl for college, you know, HBCUs. Um, it's pretty much their college football playoffs, the Celebration Bowl. Shouts out to the NC, uh, the North Carolina A&T Aggies for winning the Celebration Bowl. The thing is, we talk about Alabama in their dynasty. We talk about, I'm, I'm, I don't even know why I did the quotations. They are a dynasty. We talk about Clemson in their dynasty right now. In North Carolina A&T has won four of the five. Now, of course... This started five years ago. The Celebration Bowl started five years ago. They have won four of the five, including three straight. When we talk about dynasties, we have to, we cannot continue to overlook North Carolina A&T football because they win year after year after year. Yes, it is a new bowl. Uh, the Celebration Bowl, of course, like I said, is only five years old. But when you have won it 95% of the time, that is a dynasty, and, and they are destroying people. They are the dynasty, especially, I don't know about basketball, <laughs> but when we're talking about HBCU football, they have turned themselves into a dynasty. So again, shout, I haven't heard any of the major sports markets, and I know this is a small podcast, but I don't care. Shouts out to the North Carolina A&T Aggies for winning the Celebration Bowl for the fourth time in five years, with this being the third straight. Congrats. Um, before we go, let's get it. So like I started off with this saying, I wanted to do the, by all decades, starting five and, you know, first team and second team. I kind of cheated, especially, I, I kind of cheated. I didn't really go position-wise, um, sort of. I, I, I went with who was the best at the time. Um, I had to do the best five and the, and the next best five. And I, I kind of I delegated with positions, but I kind of didn't. And you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, we have some honorable mentions. Before I, talk, before I keep going, there have been... A lot of great players uh, this decade. But to me, they didn't make the list. One of the biggest honorable mentions, and, and people might kill me for it, it is what it is, is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, this will be the third year, well, last year was the third year in a row that he averaged a triple-double. He has been a staple for OKC. Now he's playing for Houston. He's one of, if not the most athletic fiery point guards we've ever seen he's a good player the only reason why I didn't put him on the list because there is a point guard on my second team to me 
has sustained a level of greatness a little longer than Russell Westbrook has. Yes, again, we have never seen, and I don't think we will ever see, a player average a triple-double three straight times. Again. But, to me, there, there, there's a little bit better players. Um, another honorable mention is Anthony Davis. The only reason why I didn't put Anthony Davis is because injuries kind of hurt him a little bit and his lack of winning. Yes, he played on a, a trash team of the Pelicans, but his lack of winning compared to some of the other players that I put on the list it's kind of hard to overstate, and it's kind of hard to overshadow. Um, those are two really good, really good players. Another player that I wanted to put on, maybe just as a, as a, because I'm a you know hometown kid, is Gilbert Arenas um, and Tracy McGrady. But to take to put a person like Gilbert Arenas, who is an incredible scorer, and to put a player like Tracy McGrady. Somebody had to come off, and it was hard for me to take somebody off. And the last person that really hurt my soul that I did not add was Allen Iverson. The, la- the only reason why I didn't add Allen Iverson, and we all know Allen Iverson, as you can see right there, is my favorite player of all time. Hell, I have an Allen Iverson tattoo on my arm. The reason why I didn't put Allen Iverson was strictly because of winning. That's the reason why I didn't put Carmelo Anthony on this list. If we're talking about pure buckets, if we're talking about pure offensive, if we're talking about just someone to get a bucket, then of course Allen Iverson's on this list. Of course, you know, Carmelo Anthony's on this list. But again, to put Allen Iverson, to put Carmelo Anthony on this list, somebody had to come off this list. And it's hard for me to take somebody off the list, especially somebody that's one, compared to somebody like Allen Iverson, like Carmelo Anthony, like Anthony Davis, like Russell Westbrook, who hasn't really won. So without further ado, let me start with my first, you know, my first team. At point guard, to me, there has been nobody better, especially this decade, than Steph Curry. When you look at just the accolades, yes, he dealt with ankle injury. Um, he's dealt with a couple other injuries in his in this decade. But when you look at Steph Curry, he has three champ no, yeah, three championships and two MVPs. One unanimous MVP. Now, of course, somebody will boy, he doesn't have a Finals MVP. Okay. The, the year that Andre Iguodala won the Finals MVP, I definitely would have gave that to Steph Curry because Andre Iguodala only held LeBron James to 36, uh, 13, and 5. But I digress. I've said this before, and a lot of people look at me crazy. It is what it is. You can argue with me. You cannot. It is what it is. Of course, if you don't feel the same way, leave it in the comments. But I think... As we speak right now, Steph Curry is the second best point guard ever in league history. From the impact that he's had on the game, from the impact that he's had, not just on the game of basketball, but, but how we look at sports and how we look at, our, how, how we look at an athlete, I think that Steph Curry, and, and even if we just talk about skill, I think Steph Curry is the second best player or second best point guard ever. 
of course, behind Magic Johnson. And because of that, I had to put him on my first team all decade as a starting point guard. Now, the shooting guard, this was a little harder than I expected. But when we talk about the decade, I know I talked about Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, uh, Steph, I mean, Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, and we talked about not winning. So a lot of people can call me a hypocrite. It is what it is. But my shooting guard is James Harden. No, James Harden has not won anything um, except an MVP. But he has finished second in MVP, I believe, or first or second in MVP, I believe, five, five, out of the last, five out of the last six MVP. James Harden is one of the most gifted offensive players to ever play in the NBA. The man right now, I believe, is averaging like 38 points. And, and he's, he's become the best player in drawing fouls. He's become the best player at, at, at the step back three. James Harden is incredible. Now, of course, people ask, what about this player? What about that player? I'm not talking about a full career. I'm talking about a decade. In this decade, when we look at how the NBA is played today and we look at how the NBA has been this decade, James Harden is the epitome of what the NBA is. And and James Harden has been great this decade. And James Harden has emerged as one of the greatest scorers to ever play the NBA. He has emerged as one of the best shooting guards to ever play in the NBA. And that is why I have James Harden as my shooting guard. Now, my small forward, you had to go with Kawhi Leonard. What Kawhi Leonard has done, not only for the Spurs, but for the Toronto Raptors and now for the Clippers, he's, he's pretty much been a winner everywhere he's went. Now, the jury is, st- I mean, we'll still have to see with the Clippers, of course, because it's the first year, but he's won everywhere he's went. And he has, when we talk, no, now, when you hear me say this, do not hear me compare him or do not hear me say he's the best, you know, he's the second best player. But when we look at his game, in the in the way that he he controls the game, his tempo, the way that he you know fadeaway shots, the way that he shoots mid ranges, the way that he gets to the rim, it's very Michael Jordan esque. Now, do I think, of course, he's as good as Michael Jordan? No. Do I think he's better than LeBron James? No. But the way that he he controls his his body, the way that he controls the game, it is Michael Jordan esque and. Along with his defense, he he has he has dominated the decade. Well, he has been as great as he is everywhere he's went. Again, he's a two-time or two-time champion, two-time Finals MVP, and uh, what a three two or three time three time Defensive Player of the Year. So, and that's all in the decade. So, and he's st- and, and, and and yeah, he has a whole low managing thing. But he's still playing at an all-time, at an all-time level. So, you know. Oh, another honorable mention before I keep going is Giannis. The only reason why I didn't put Giannis because he hasn't done it long enough for, or longer than a lot of these players on the thing. So, um, back to my list. Power forward. This is where I started to kind of cheat a little bit. But power forward. 
I had to put LeBron James. I mean, it's it's it goes without question. I don't really need to stay on LeBron too long. I mean, he won a championship. Uh, he won two championships in Miami. He won a championship in um, in Cleveland. Of course, he dethroned the seventy three and nine Golden State Warriors uh, after coming back from three one. Um, you know that's. <laughs> And he he's he's still doing this at year seventeen with the Lakers. The Lakers look unstoppable right now with him and Anthony Davis. LeBron James on this list. LeBron James is one of the best players to ever play, if not the best player to ever play. LeBron James on this list. And for the center, again, I kind of I kind of cheated. Is Kevin Durant? I couldn't leave Kevin Durant off this list. I couldn't leave Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant could not fall in no second team. Kevin Durant to me is top is a top 10 player of all time. Kevin Durant has two championships with Golden State. He's one of the greatest offensive gift offensively gifted players ever. He's one of the great players of of NBA history. He 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 hell. I can't I couldn't take Kevin not even and it's not just what he did in Golden State. Even what he did at uh OKC with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I, I couldn't take I, I James, Kevin Durant just like LeBron James had to be on this list, and they couldn't be on the second team. So, again, to recap, my first team point guard is Chris, I mean, uh, Steph Curry. Shooting guard is James Harden. Small forward is Kawhi Leonard. Power forward is LeBron James. And center is KD. Now, with my second team, I did a lot more cheating when it came to these positions, but it is what it is. Uh, and this is kind of where the controversy sort of, sort of came. A lot of people's like, why didn't I? Why wouldn't I put Chris? I mean, uh, what's his name? Russell Westbrook in my second team because I have Chris Paul in my second team. But Jim, you talk about winning. If we don't remember, Chris Paul was incredible not only in New Orleans, but he was incredible for the Clippers. And a lot of reason why the Clippers didn't win is due to Chris Paul's health. It's not just you know, yeah, they might have choked a couple times, but Chris Paul's health. A lot of the seasons. If it wasn't Chris Paul's health, Blake Griffin got hurt, or DeAndre Jordan got hurt, or two of them got hurt. When Chris Chris Paul, there's a reason why people still call Chris Paul the quote-unquote point guard. Like, Chris Paul has been incredible. Yeah, he's small, but he's still feisty. He's still one of the best offensive uh, guards, or he has been one of the best offensive guards this decade. And like I said, he he is the one of the main reasons. Him along with, of course, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan were on the were one of the main reasons for Lob City. In fact, we're seeing what Blake Griffin. And I'm not saying Blake Griffin's trash. And I'm not saying Blake Griffin isn't good. But we're seeing what, how Blake Griffin's or we see how Blake Griffin played without Chris Paul. We see how good Chris Paul played with James Harden. The only reason why they didn't make it to the finals or make it, you know, past or make it as far as I wanted to go, was because they ran into a juggernaut that is Golden State. And he got injured. So what I'm saying is when Chris Paul is on the floor, Chris Paul is one of the best players and has been one of the best point guards this decade and has been one of the best point guards of all time. And because of that, I had to put him on the list. Number two, uh, my shooting guard for the second team has to be Dwayne Wade. Just because of what he's meant to not only the, the Heat, but, of course, winning the championships with LeBron James, being one of the best shooting guards of all time. Um, of course, he, he did turn into a little journeyman a couple years. 
going to Cleveland and going to the Bulls. But even with the Bulls, they almost made it to round two of the playoffs. It There was always a question as in who is the best shooting guard? Of, or who after maybe one and two, who was the third best shooting guard? And it's hard, it was for the longest, it was hard for me to pick anybody but Dwayne Wade. And that's because of what he did on the floor. And he, again, uh, along with LeBron James and the Heels, what, you have to re- reward winning. And that's why I have him second or shooting guard. Small forwards, I kind of cheated, but I had to go with Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is, this to me, the second best shooting guard of all time. And Kobe Bryant really didn't fall off until maybe 2013, yeah, 13, 14-ish. Um, that's when his body started breaking down on him. But even still, he, he was still averaging 20-plus points until I think maybe 2013 or 14. But... Again, if it really wasn't for injury, I mean, yeah, Kobe takes a lot of shots. We know that. But, you know, Kobe will go down as, as a lot. There's a lot of people. Kobe was so good. There's a lot of people that say Kobe Bryant is the best player of all time. I don't agree. But, you know, it's Kobe Bryant. And I had to put Kobe. I mean, there's not another. Again, you could have put, I don't know, maybe Melo there. But I, that I had to reward winning. And Kobe won a championship. Melo didn't. Uh, you you could have put I don't know, Paul George no <laughs> so and, and that's no disrespect to Paul George but I had to put Kobe uh, of course power forward it's not really a question that's Tim Duncan that I mean when we're talking about rewarding winning and 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 longevity it has to be Tim Duncan there hasn't been another powerful I mean you maybe again I, I, that's why I had Anthony Davis an honorable mention but. He hasn't won anything. Uh, there's not really another power forward this decade that you can put in that spot. Maybe Dirk. Uh, maybe Dirk. The only problem is Tim Duncan kind of won more. Um, but no, nah, Tim Duncan is my power forward. And my center, a lot of people, st- I don't know why a lot of people still give me flack for this, but a lot of people don't understand that my center is Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was incredible. There was a five-year stretch. That Dwight Howard was the best center, and it was by a country mile. There was a there was a three year stretch where a lot of people's arguing is Dwight Howard the best player in the league. Now everywhere he's went, yeah, he's brought controversy. Yeah, he's might had um all you know in house issues. He might have had problems with his teammates, but everywhere he's gone, he's averaged at except for hold on, except for Washington. He's averaged at least 15 points. In fact, he's averaged at least a double-double. And he's, and he's, he's played incredible now. Dwight Howard has, has... No, he hasn't sustained the greatness that he was in, in, in Orlando. But people forget in Orlando how good he was. Hell, Dwight Howard is a three-time, a three-time defensive player of the year. He's, he's, been, he's made so many defensive teams. He's made so many uh, all-star games. He's made so many all-NBA teams. Like, Dwight Howard is a first battle Hall of Famer, and he has been a, a constant great of greatness this decade. Now, no, the decade did not, I mean, how he started the decade is not how he's finishing. Of course, he's not as dominant when he was in Orlando that he is right now in, in L.A., 
but he's still really good in LA. And because of that, he has been the best to me center of the decade. And, I, and that's why I had to put him. Now, of course, you mean like, why didn't you put maybe Dirk in that situation if you wanted reward winning? Because I think Dwight Howard, Dirk had a little bit more to work with. And, you know, Dwight Howard kind of sustained greatness. A little more. Even with the turmoil that he caused, don't get me wrong, he caused a lot of it. Dwight Howard has still been great. And that's why I put him on there. Uh, there you have it, guys. That has been this episode of Unpopular. You know what? <laughs> Again, before I, before I go. Before I go, to recap, the first team is Steph Curry, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. The second team is Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and Dwight Howard. There. There you have it. That has been this episode of Unpopular Podcast. Please stay tuned. Next week, I have something huge coming. Next week, I have something huge. I know next week is the 31st. People say, hey, I'm not going to listen on 31st. That, that's a beautiful thing about the internet. It's, it stays there. So, again, I appreciate you guys for listening. I love you guys. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. And please share. If you if you really uh, you know love what I'm doing and, and, and believe in my vision and like to listen to me, please share. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys again. I love you guys. And until next time, much love. Like a bullet to my head. That is all again. Yeah. All again. Oh, oh, yo, Michelle told me a story, man. I felt her. A dream's in the sky, but a life is in the cellar. Public assistance was been supposed to help her. She said, camera. I called Section 8, like, get my homie out the shelter. Gave her 50K, gave her a kiss, caught the Bella. Invest it wisely, don't turn into Cinderella I don't wanna hear you say Meanwhile, I'm in Marshallis I'm spinning like some propellers And everybody is jealous because I'm flying in Delta But to get here, I pass a note to a teller Pulled to swim me out And I was lying when Come on, try again Even the skits real Cousin Bank did a 5 to 10 Could be on the beach Just daddy's in the lion's den He'll never say Yes Cause I'm a big deal Say I got it I smile Cause I have to But her six Cause I'm a big deal What they say Say I got it Listen here, girl, I know not what the drama about. Drama, that's when the feds pull up to your mama house. Turn the back, slam the door. Homie, what your mama about? Sometime I gotta shout. Brain start to shift when Rock Kim made mahogany. When I decided I had a problem with poverty, prophecy, thinking homicide, but still logically. Now stars in the car, the ceiling or astrology. I ain't have a dollar B, I'm lucky to acknowledge me. This around the time the woo had me wearing wallabies. Said you the one game, I say yeah. Now I'm a father B. Y'all bother me. But I do this for the castaways. Those moving the pack a day. Don't gotta be a bagger, yeah. You could be shipping hats away. If you ain't trying to get it, go that away. That's why I had to say. Cause I'm a big deal. Say I got it. I smile.
Say I got it. 